0: Welcome to BreezeLine, where you'll say ta-ta, T-Mobile, because we have 99.9% network reliability, and they don't. That's right. Time, weather, or even streaming in a basement won't affect our superior service. That's because we have real internet, backed by our fiber-powered network. And T-Mobile? Well, they just have a 5G cellular network. So for a limited time, find your perfect speed, with prices starting at $19.99 a month for 24 months. Terms and conditions apply. Go to BreezeLine.com to learn more. So, I am taking the month of August off from releasing new podcast episodes, but this is a little different. If you didn't know, I just released my first book called Not by Chance. It goes over a series of 14 murders over 20 years that all seem connected by their toxicology, how these men went missing, and so on. Since a lot of people have asked me about audiobook format, I thought people deserved an explanation. Finding someone to do an audiobook is very expensive and time consuming, so my publisher is not looking at that specifically at the moment. And as much as I would love to record my own audiobook, I am far too busy to do that right now. However, the first chapter really gives an overview of the book. It really is where I talk to you, the reader, and it gives an overview on my writing style, what I want to accomplish in the book, why I wrote this book, and just a lot more. So I thought, what better way to promote the book and see if you want to actually buy it than reading you the first chapter, which is technically the foreword, not the first chapter, but you get what I mean. So let's jump into the foreword of the book, not by chance. This is the last thing I'm writing in this book, but this is the first thing you're reading because it puts the entire work into perspective. This is my attempt at putting the final touches on this book. This is the section where I get to be completely myself with you. It is November 24th, 2019, and I started this written journey almost exactly a year ago. Let me start off with a statement that might offend you. I believe all those interested in true crime have somewhat of a psychopath inside of them. So yes, I'm talking about you for simply picking up this book. Not that we all have the minds of serial killers or anything close to that, or that we want to kill or be a criminal, but we are closer to this than normal people in society. When I listen to true crime podcasts or watch true crime shows, the main question behind everyone's interest is why did the criminal do that? I think that as a society, we have a sadistic fascination with things that are taboo and criminal. I would never commit any of these crimes, but do I want to read all the gruesome details about them? Yes, I quite honestly do, more than anything. This leads those who read about these crimes to develop some of the same tendencies that those committing the crimes may have. Once again, most of us are not criminal and do not wish to be. We simply wish to understand the mindset that these criminals are in. And to think like a criminal, one must become the criminal. I recently read a book called True Crime Addict by James Renner. In the first part of this book, he talked about going to his psychologist and taking the Minnesota Multiphasic Personality Inventory. This is a standardized test within the psychology community that can be used to identify a number of different mental illnesses and disorders. Upon review of his test, his psychologist told him his test results closely resembled those of Ted Bundy. True to the title of his book, he is a true crime addict, which means he spends just as much time as me and others looking into the minds of criminal psychopaths. As some have said before me, no one is good or evil, everyone has both sides to them. It is simply luck on which one gets pulled out more in your lifetime. For most of us, that is the good side at least relatively good, we aren't going around killing people. But for others, the evil side comes out more. True crime-obsessed people are dangling in the middle, and even more so, those who write or produce about true crime. Two months after starting this writing journey, I got diagnosed with severe major depressive disorder and generalized anxiety. It has been very apparent that I have had depression for years, but it never got as bad as it did when I started writing. There is the possibility that other things were happening in my life that I just did not give thought to. The main reason I believe that I started to worsen is that all of these cases are mostly forgotten by society, and they all involve men around the same age as me. This really puts things into a dark perspective of would anyone care about me in five years if I died right now? This worsening depression did not stop once I fully adapted into writing it just continued to get worse as I went along. Starting at a lower dose of 20 milligrams a day is where most people start for the antidepressant I was prescribed, and I did just that. As of right now, I'm on 120 milligrams of antidepressants a day, the highest possible dose. Yeah, whoa. I even got the reaction from an ER nurse one night. I thought it was kind of funny that they would comment like that for a person with an obvious mental illness, But it honestly didn't affect my well-being. My boyfriend and I just laughed about the reaction later. These cases touched me, even though they happened in the opposite gender and people who socialized. Not me at all. Even worse is that my boyfriend fits the perfect victim description in these cases. Handsome, popular, fit, school-oriented, and someone who does go out for social situations. Yeah, talk about anxiety when he goes out with friends. I don't consider myself crazy, but I will text him every half hour to make sure he's not floating in the Milwaukee River. That reminds me, I forgot to mention we live in Milwaukee, right across the street from the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee campus, where one of these cases happened and possibly more. As I am making final edits on this, there is another University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee student who was just found in the Milwaukee River after disappearing from the dorms one night after taking LSD. Obviously, I am not too great at self-care because the fact is, I kept writing this book and am still going as of today. I even want to write a companion one after this. I think that as a living person who is interested in these cases, it is my duty to gravitate attention towards them so that maybe one day justice can be served. The extent of my mental illness pale in comparison to the need I feel to publicize these stories, so that is exactly what I'm going to do. Music would normally be how I escape feelings like this, and get back into at least a semi-good mindset. But as soon as I started writing, this went out the window too. I started off this book by listening to many Billy Joel and ACDC songs while I wrote, but as I finished, I am sitting in complete silence. You see, as I listened to these songs while writing, my mind associated the stories of these cases with the songs. Now when I turn on these songs in the car, at work, or just for fun, I begin to recall facts from the cases. It's alarming to say the least. I don't know about you, but I don't want to remember the decomposition of a body after four months while listening to Little Lover. It's just weird. I'm not promising that this book will ruin your favorite songs, but I'll give it a maybe. This prologue is not a warning to not read the book. I 100% believe you should dive into this book. I doubt these cases will affect you in the way they have affected me. This was over a year of my life, and it will only be a few hours total of yours. That is how it's supposed to be, from author to reader. This is all in the name of giving you a better reading experience. If you can somewhat connect to me in the beginning of this book, maybe you will trust my theories more. Since this is a theory of serial killers, I wanted to inform you of this before you begin to read. I am not someone who easily believes in things. I have never been convinced of religion or ghosts. Bigfoot, I am on the fence, but that is 75% due to my dad's view of how easy it would be for Bigfoot to hide. I am someone who needs scientific proof to believe in something, and at least reasonable doubt to not believe in something. That being said, these cases, I strongly believe, have the wrong manner of death in their autopsies. There is more than enough reasonable doubt in each and every case. And science is on the side of truth, not necessarily the medical examiners in these cases. Science will show why many of these cases could not have been accidental in the slightest. These are stories of young men with a lot to offer society who had their lives cut short. Many of these men were in college to better themselves. They were living normal lives with friends, family, significant others. Then one night, they never returned. Back in October 2019, I had a little too much fun at a wedding, which I must say is the bartender's fault for filling half the glass with tequila. And I felt what it was like to be on the line between consciousness and blacking out from drinking. That is the state of mind a lot of these men were in when they disappeared, and most likely died. If you've never been in that predicament, let me tell you, it's actually quite a blissful mindset, besides puking. It is a state of full relaxation, no worrying about finances, no worrying about work, just a nice fog over your mind. Obviously, I was not kidnapped, and didn't have the chance of winding up dead, at least not too large of a chance anyway. But I believe there's a certain mercy to killing people after drugging them or once they are highly intoxicated, rather than sober. Sober victims are aware of all that's happening. They intensely feel any pain inflicted on them and experience all the terror that might carry over into death. I am not saying that these people did the right thing, but at least these men were most likely unaware in their last moments. All we can hope is that these unfortunate men were not in fear and did not experience great pain during their untimely deaths. So, as bad of a job I did reading that because I was kind of rushed, but I wanted to get this out there. That was the foreword of my book, Not By Chance. Now, my second book is already in the editing process, and it will be coming out in February of 2021. That book is going to be part of a three-book series, and I am already started on the second one, and I'm very excited for you guys to read those books. They're going to be in kind of the same format, but it's simply cases that have not gotten the justice they deserved. So I hope those cases will make you just as mad as they made me. Anyways, if you do want to buy the book Not By Chance and read through it, it's available on Kindle, it's available online at Barnes & Noble, it's available on Amazon, and online at Genius Book Publishing. Those links will be below. Anyways, stay safe and have a great day. Growing a business brings pressure. It's not easy to maintain momentum and still keep employees engaged. Fortunately, there's Insperity. Their scalable HR solutions help me with hiring, training, HR administration, and compliance while giving my employees competitive benefit options. When my people are able to thrive, my business can adapt and prosper. With Insperity, nothing seems impossible. Insperity, HR that makes a difference. So, how does it feel when you play Roll Up to Win with Tim Hortons? Buy a hot or cold beverage using the Tim's app and find out. Roll in the app for a chance to win prizes ranging from free coffee and donuts to a Universal Orlando resort vacation or a sweet car. Oh, don't forget the TV. And this year, every roll is a shot at a $1,000 daily giveaway drawing for two $500 prizes. Roll Up to Win and get treated by Tim's. No purchase necessary. Account registration required. 50 U.S. and D.C. 18 plus. Enter by 4223. See rules at RollUpToWin.com for free entry and full details. Void in Florida where prohibited.